Welcome to the Off The Crutch Podcast, your home for disability-related topics from a disabled perspective. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Off The Crutch. Today I thought it would be great to have on a occupational therapy student. So occupational therapy is really important to the lives of people with disabilities and it's also something that I've never had services for in all my years. It's always been physical therapy or other doctors that have helped me along the way, but none related to occupational therapy. So today I have Riley Crossgrove, who is a third year occupational therapy student at Creighton University. She is very interested in working with children who have developmental disabilities. I thought it would be great to hear her perspective, and I hope that you all learn a thing or two from her. So here we go. Okay, so today's guest is Riley Crossgrove, and she is an occupational therapy student. How are you doing, Riley? I know that you are in Chicago, so you must be cooped up right now. Is that true? Yep, yep. I'm in Chicago right now. I am on my first long-term clinical rotation for OT school here in Chicago, and um, I actually had exposure to COVID last week, so I'm on a 14-day lockdown that's going to hopefully end this weekend. Um, so I've been pretty cooped up, yeah, but still trying my best and hanging out around here. So, Wow, you're just going to nonchalantly say you got exposed to COVID and yeah. not going into detail about that. Or how many tests have you been taking for that? Yeah, I just got the one, um, but there's been a lot of cases here in Illinois, so I'm still awaiting results. Um, if you hear my phone go off in the middle of this, it's because I need uh, to get my COVID results, but I don't think it will go off. I haven't heard back yet. So, but I feel healthy and I feel fine. Um, and the exposure that I had was asymptomatic. So I'm hoping for a good result here pretty soon and that I can get back to work sooner rather than later. So, wow. I, I would have my phone right by me and I'd be looking at it every five minutes if, if I was waiting the results for, um, my COVID test. So you mentioned work. What do you currently do at the moment? Yeah. So I am currently an OT student, like you said, and I'm working at a pediatric outpatient clinic that focuses on um, children with developmental delays and developmental disorders. Um, I mostly treat children with like autism spectrum disorder, um, different uh, developmental disorders, undiagnosed ones, and then Down syndrome. Um, So right now we're doing a lot of like social emotional work with kids, especially during COVID times when they're not getting as much interaction with other children. Um, And then hopefully after this, I'll do another rotation with adults with more physical disabilities so I can get like the full spectrum of OT before I graduate. That's great. Um, What are some things that you've learned so far being in a a clinic or in a space that you're working with individuals with developmental disabilities and delays? Yeah, so it's been an amazing experience. It's really different for me. In school, we talk a lot about um, physical disabilities. um, And so to work with a population with a more invisible disability has been a really eye-opening experience for me, especially with children. Um, I'm realizing how many expectations that we have for really young children toddlers even, um, on how they should behave in public, 
um, how they should be processing their world um, and responding to it. And I'm realizing that we have a lot of unfair expectations on them and their little bodies when they're developing. Um, and they all take in the world super differently. Um, so it's been really great to just work with a diverse group of children. Some I can communicate with verbally. Some we use signs or just um, kind of our, our facial expressions and affect during therapy. Um, so it's been really great just to get to know all these little people um, and as, on the individual level and learn just about the way that kids are being brought up in the world right now. Take me through your process of how you got to wanting to be an OT and uh, to get into school. Yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, my brother had some developmental delays um, and needed some OT and PT services. He had um, really tight hamstrings when he was born, so he had a kind of a crooked gait. Um, and so he was seeing PT for that. And then through the PT services that he received, he also received a referral for occupational therapy. Um, and so when I was really little, I'm five years younger than him, I would watch him go to the OT and PT clinic um, and get to play on all the fun equipment and be very jealous. Um, but I didn't really think about it for a long time. I always thought I would be a teacher. My mom's a teacher. Um, so when I went to college, I went to Loyola, Chicago, um, and I fully intended on being a teacher, but I wasn't sure what type. I was interested in all sorts of different populations of kids. Um, and I also was worried that I wouldn't get to work with adults. Um, so I started thinking about it and talking to my advisor, and she brought up occupational therapy. Uh, I wasn't really interested in healthcare at the time, and I didn't know the difference between occupational and physical therapy. And I thought, ugh, PT sounds like boring to me. I'm not really a big body person. Um, I don't really know much about anatomy and biology. So is it for me? Uh, but then I learned about occupational therapy and how we help individuals get the things that they value most in the world done. Um, and I switched my major to psychology and fully intended on applying. And I actually got into OT school right after graduation. Um, so I have been a student at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska for the past two and a half years, and hopefully I will be done with my degree, um, at the end of May of 2021, if everything pans out with the current situation. So we shall see. Cool. So what is the difference between OT and PT? That's the, the question of the day, isn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah, so physical therapists, from my understanding, really look at the body and how it's functioning. Um, and so they are going to be more interested in things like your gait cycle and how your muscles are firing. Um, they're still working at the same populations so of people who have had injuries or people who were born with a disability. Um, but they look at more of it from a biomechanical frame of reference, whereas OTs, um, the, the, job of an occupational therapist actually started in the field of mental health. So we looked at people with mental health disorders um, who could no longer do the things that they wanted or needed to do, especially um, like soldiers returning from war was like the thing at the time. It was right after World War I and people with PTSD, although they didn't have a term for that yet, um, were struggling to get jobs, get employed. Um, so occupational therapy focuses on 
um, a person's ability to do the things that they want or need to do. Um, a big area of that is activities of daily living. We call them ADLs. That's things like uh, brushing your teeth, eating, bathing, toileting, those types of things. Um, so we focus on those a lot, but we also focus on um, doing like more important and valuable things like playing with your kids or, I don't know, uh, finding a career that you're really interested in, um, tons of different things. With the kids right now, their biggest occupation is playing. So we focus on their ability to play with each other, which is awesome. And I love it because I get to go to work and play with kids. That sounds like a lot of fun. It also sounds like a lot of responsibility if you're talking about helping people with career choices and things of that nature. Yeah. So occupation, people always associate it with career choices. And I know I, I just brought it up myself too. Um, but like we see occupation as the things that like occupy your time. So how you spend your time, lots of adults, when they get an injury, like a stroke or a traumatic brain injury, or maybe a broken hip, they'll come into occupational therapy and be like, I need to return to work right now. <laughs> and so we will obviously focus on those skills. I've helped an accountant learn how to retype after a brain injury before so he could do his accounting work. Um, but yeah, we just mostly focus on what are the important steps that we need to get done to reach those long-term goals. So my client that was an accountant, I was like, that's a great goal. First, we should focus on putting on your pants um, because that is also really important for going to work. Um, so we worked on dressing before we worked on any sort of higher level um, functioning for him. And that could be really frustrating for adults, especially when they have received a, a diagnosis that they weren't expecting. Um, but it also can be like a great experience and a very humbling experience for us as occupational therapists to work with people during these like vulnerable times of life. What made you choose OT over PT? Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I really wasn't interested in like biology or anything like that mm -hmm. at the time when undergrad. Um, and I wasn't sure if healthcare was for me. I really wasn't familiar with like the hospital systems and things like that. Um, so I just thought of physical therapy as a super like healthcare, like have to know every single bone in the body, which I'm sure not every PT knows every bone in the body. And I'm sure a lot of OTs do know every bone in the body. Um, but I just liked that the focus was more on the value of everyday life and getting, um, just living, letting people live their lives the way that they wanted to. Uh, whereas PT was more on like the body function, I felt like it's more important to focus on like that soul aspect of like, how can I live the life that I, that I want to live? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That, that really does. Did you have any misconceptions about OT before you started uh, your program? Yeah, I think I did because I came into it, I, I wanted to be a teacher. So I really thought like, oh, I only want to work with children. Um, that's it. I only really like children. Um, and so I never want to work with an adult, but I realized that like a lot of the conditions that affect children, um, affect people throughout the lifespan. And also they're very similar. So, um, like with like your CP, I noticed a lot of, uh, traits in adults who've had other brain injuries are like similar with the children that I see in clinic who have CP. 
Um, and so like making that connection of like in my head of like why these things are similar is very fun and exciting for me. Um, and seeing like that the human experience is kind of very universal and we're more alike than we are different um, in that. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I think I have a lot of misconceptions too about like the populations I'd be working with. A lot of the people that we work with do not consider themselves as part of the disability community or disabled um, because a lot of people get injured later in life and then like don't like the, the terms or they're like wary of the community and so like we have to work with people through that like hey like <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this but like how do I tell a person like if you have a spinal cord injury like you have a spinal cord injury and like it's gonna affect you for the rest of your life um so like working with people through their identity in like the disability process has been really interesting and it's a something I never thought of with picking this career um I would have never thought like how do I explain to someone what just happened to them after a big major injury that affects the rest of their life. So, yeah. I couldn't even imagine, well, telling or, yeah, telling another person that they, what they've gone through is actually going to affect them for the rest of their lives and actually be a, a disability. Mm-hmm. What's some, like a rewarding thing that you've um, taken from your experience so far? I think just working with, like the people I know it's like cliche and super cheesy but like just really getting to know each individual um on a personal level and like what's most important to them um I remember one day I was working in a hospital on one of my like first clinical experiences and um we bounced back and forth between a whole bunch of different types of patients um one guy in the morning that we had been seeing was almost fully recovered and ready to be discharged from the hospital, but he had a brain injury from a gunshot wound, a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Um, so like getting to work with him on finding things that he's in, he enjoys. Um, we were mostly focusing on the physical aspects of his safety because he had had a brain injury, but also like how do we find joy in these things that we're doing um, because obviously his mental health was a big factor in his injury. Um, Then we bounced over to a patient who had a traumatic brain injury and was um, barely coming out of her traumatic brain injury. She had some eye movement, um, but basically like could not move on her own. And the OTs went in and we worked with her on um, doing a shower and just trying to get her aroused and looking at us during a shower, which was like so rewarding to see like occupational therapists talking to her just like anybody else and being like, okay, like we were all girls in the room and we're helping her shower and we're like, don't worry. It's all girls here. Like no worries about the shower. Like still like joking with her about like, oh, this is going to be a fun experience. And like, we're still worried about your privacy and your safety, um, and respecting you as a human being. Um, and then bounced over to the accountant that I saw that I talked about earlier. Um, so just like focusing on different areas of people's lives that are really important to them, um, is so rewarding and it really helps me see like the value of everyday life and all the things that I take for granted during the day. Mm -hmm. Does it ever get emotionally taxing for you? (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) for sure. Right now with our kids, um, they have a lot of different, um, behaviors that people in general society like would not find appropriate and when you have an emotional connection to these children um, and you hear some story about them struggling at school um, or just 
we had a case recently where a girl with CP was trying to get um, her school was basically trying to kick her out. Um, it was a private school because they couldn't accommodate her wheelchair is what they were saying. And so we were contracted by a lawyer um, to say like, hey, actually, like within the laws and the ADA, like you have to provide for this student. Um, so obviously, like that was a very emotional experience. Like this is a teenage girl who just wants to go to school with her friends. Um, and it's hard to not get super invested emotionally and um, to let these people like still be your clients. Um, but yeah, it just... It's a it's an emotional job for sure, but it's a great experience all around. <laughs> How do you work on your mental health while in school and being in the position that you're in working with these kids? Yeah, so I'm really lucky. Um, Creighton is a great program where we always focused on like our well-being and taking care of ourselves um, and reflecting on the process. So, like we, there's not really a day that goes by at Creighton where we don't have some sort of reflection process at the end of an assignment. And then with my field work right now, I'm actually at a DIR floor time clinic, which is a specific model of OT practice where we focus on development. And it's really focused on the relationship of the child with others. And so to be a DIR floor time therapist, you really have to be in tune with your own um, emotions and how you are feeling because it is an emotionally taxing job. So we have um, group dialectical behavioral therapy at my clinic, which is really great. We get to um, see a therapist and talk about our own emotions through work. Um, and then also we just like, I really have found the value of like staying open about how I'm feeling and how I'm responding to my work with others in my life. Um, because you're constantly learning new things, um, especially as a student. And so it's super overwhelming sometimes just to try to process it all. But yeah, um, so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good thing to hear. You know, interestingly enough, um, you mentioned my CP and I've grown up never interacting with an occupational therapist before. It's always been physical therapy. Is there anything that you might want to know from me as an adult who has CP that could benefit you going forward? Yeah, I guess I just wanted to know maybe like a little bit about your history with PT and like PT services. And maybe if you have a story about like a healthcare professional that was like really stuck out to you, that was really great. Um, because I hear so many stories, especially from adults um, with a disability that they've had throughout the lifespan of like, uh, like when I was a kid, the services weren't that great or, you know, and I'm like, oh, I really don't want to be that type of therapist to my, my patients. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question. I've, I've actually had a lot of great uh, experiences uh, with physical therapists. Notice I didn't say physical therapy. <laughs> I always knew that the physical therapy is like a necessary evil. And I have like this love-hate relationship with physical therapy. But, you know, I can remember way back as a kid, uh, the first physical therapist that I had was really awesome. And, you know, her and I are really good friends today. I can also remember, you know, recently the, the times I was back in physical therapy. And I think it was a lot of really great communication between me and her 
to work on my goals and what I wanted to accomplish, but then also what they assess from me. And, you know, I have what's called spastic diplegia, which means that my legs are the only things, only parts of the body that are affected. So as you mentioned, you know, my gait is a little off, probably more than a little, but uh, I use forearm crutches and I've had 13, 14 surgeries uh, from kindergarten through eighth grade to help with the movements in my legs uh, because with CP, the spasticity is pretty prominent. It's always with me. So there are stretches and other things that I've been given by physical therapists to, to help me. But for whatever reason, I've never, I've never felt the, the need to reach out to an occupational therapy, uh, occupational therapist. But, you know, I've always done everything independently. So I didn't necessarily need help growing up. Uh, like you said, uh, dressing and bathing and all that stuff I've, I've been able to do, um, you know, independently. So, you know, that's, that's just kind of how I viewed my time with, with physical therapy and yeah. 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 That makes sense that you've never seen an OT because I feel like most of the time when I've seen children, especially with CP in the clinic, it's, um, because they don't have diplegia, um, they're quads usually, and they, uh, like need like hand stretches that OTs learn in OT school. Um, I had a set of twins, um, that had CP once and they were both so funny to each other. They would like bully each other incessantly <laughs> during therapy. Um, and they, they would tell us like how like hard the stretching was when they would do like stretching with PT. Um, and when one would get the break and like do fun OT activities, like, like catching a ball and things like that, you know, and the other one was getting stretches that it was like, haha. <laughs> and so it was like so hilarious to watch the two of them just be like, just boys, you know, like the twins that are silly and they knew the experience of the other, which was amazing. And yeah, the PT um, and the OT, like stretching and um, work that we do sometimes can be so hard with spasticity. Um, but the fact that they got to support each other through it was really great to see. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's really funny that they, we go back and forth. <laughs> when yeah. They're they were like, yeah, they were like coming up on like teenager dumb. So they were like yeah. just total silly kids. Yeah. <laughs> and super <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's anybody out there that is interested in becoming an OT or is applying to an OT school, what type of advice would you give them during this process? Yeah, I've helped a lot of people apply to OT school because it's a super stressful process right now. Um, there's some big changes happening in our field. Um, physical therapists, they've been on this track for a while where you're required to get a doctorate to become a physical therapist, and OT is kind of switching in that direction. I decided to get my doctorate because of it. Um, but a lot of students are like weighing their options between masters and doctorates, where they should go to school. It's so expensive. Will it be worth it? Those types of questions, like big picture questions, on top of um, the actual application process. 
So I would just tell people like what worked for me was getting to observe OTs in different settings. I really wanted to make sure that OT was for me. So I observed OTs in settings that I never thought I would want to be interested in um, and just got to know the job a little bit better. And then just like doing what's best for you in the process because there's so many thoughts about where you should go to school, what type of degree you should get. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the fact that you want to be a therapist and why. Um, what intention do you have? What do you know about people with and without disabilities that may need your services? Um, yeah, and just like really thinking about like how OT would fit with your lifestyle. Um, and if you can see yourself I don't know, just working with a really diverse group of people and knowing that not every single day is going to be the same. There's always going to be challenges. Um, so you're going to have to be a lifelong learner to be an OT, but that's a real benefit in my, in my perspective. So, yeah. Great. Those are wise words. I think that yeah. is a good place to, to end this interview. So thank you so much, Riley, for uh, talking about your journey thus, thus far and providing wisdom to those who might want to be in the field or who are currently working in the field or might have questions or working with people with disabilities. So I really appreciate your time and I thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you so much.